E-Tidings Cosmos, good morning, 21st century world of worlds. This is Radio Richard Ireland, coming to you from within the soundproofless studio of life itself. Thormila Falcher wrote and shot. I am your host, Richard McSween. Hear this, listener, give it here your fullness of ear. From the beginning there is breath, and upon that breath there are words. In a sound of the weekend, be that sound within my head alone be heard, happened to hear two men conversing away, saying, According to the annals of the four schoolmasters, the whole country of Ireland, that is, the whole country of Christian believers, was at one time totally united, heart, soul, and divinity. No one at all claimed for himself or herself anything that he had, as everything they owned was held in common, so it was. And didn't I myself hear from someone who had read them, it could even have been from yourself now when I come to think of it, that they also said that none of them believers was ever in want, as all those who owned castles or houses or fields or glens would sell them and bring the monies they got from them to present them by the bagloads to the monks, the nuns, the priests and the bishops. It was then distributed to any of the believers up and down and about the country who might be in need. You know what? It doesn't sound like re reality, so it doesn't, does it, given our Irish human nature and instinct and all? We are generous, to be sure, but for heaven's sake, that's over the top, so it is. I shall them, uh, them annals of the four schoolmasters say an awful lot of things, which aren't things real at all. Made up they are for the most part, so they say. While that is without a doubt spoken well true, you'd have to admit now, wouldn't you, that they make great food for interest in conversation and expansion of the imagination. They do, they do, I suppose. I, I must get around, though, to reading them one of these days. Listen, there's no day like the present day, is there? Imagine if there was. In today's broadcast, I'll be reading some more from Prince Hamlet, on the nature of things, and the true classic of Southern Taoist fragrance. This is a reading from Prince Hamlet. To be or not to be, that is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take arms against a sea of troubles, and by opposing in them, to die, to sleep, no more, and by a sleep to say we end the heartache and the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to, tis a consummation devoutly to be wished. To die, to sleep, to sleep, perchance to dream, aye, there's the rub, for in that sleep of death what dreams may come when we have shuffled off this mortal coil must give us pause, there's the respect that makes calamity of so long life. For who would bear the whips and scorns of time, the oppressor's wrong, the proud man's contumely, the pangs of despised love, the law's delay, the insolence of office and spurns that patient mert of the unworthy takes when he himself might his quietest make with a bare bodkin? 
Who would fardels bear to grunt and swear under a weary life, but that the dread of something after death, the undiscovered country from whose bourn no traveller returns, puzzles the will and makes us rather bear those ills we have than fly to others that we know not of? Thus conscience does make cows of us all, and thus the native hue of resolution is sickled over with a pale cast of thought, and enterprises of great pith and moment with this regard with their cons turned away, and lose the name of action. Soft, you know, the fair Ophelia. Ah, nymph in thy orisons be all my sins remembered. Good my lord, how does your honour for this many a day? I humbly thank you well, well, well. My lord, I have remembrances of you that I have longed, longed to re-deliver. I pray you now re uh, receive them. No, not I. I, I never gave you aught. <laughs> My honoured lord, you, you know right well you did, and with them words so sweet a bread composed and made the things more rich, their perfume lost, take these again, for to the noble mind rich gifts wax poor when givers proven kind. Uh, there, my lord. Ha, <laughs> ha! Are you honest? My lord, are you fair? What means, your lordship, that if you be honest and fair, your honesty should admit no discourse to your beauty? Could beauty, my lord, have better commerce than with honesty? Ay, truly the power of beauty will sooner transform honesty from what it is to bow than the force of honesty can translate beauty into its likeness. This was something of a paradox, sometime a paradox, but now the time gives it proof. Uh, I did love you once. Indeed, my lord, you made me believe so. You should not have believed me, for virtue cannot so inoculate our old stock, but we shall relish of it. I, I loved you not. I was the more deceived. Get thee to a nunnery. Why wouldst thou be a breeder of sinners? I am myself indifferent, honest, but yet I could accuse me of such things that it were better my mother had not borne me. I am very proud, revengeful, ambitious, with more offences at my back than I have thoughts to put them in, imagination to give them shape, or time to act them in. What should such fellows as I do crawling between earth and heaven? We are armed knaves all, believe none of us. Go thy ways to a nunnery. Uh, where's your father? At home, my lord. Now let the doors be shut upon him, that he may play the fool nowhere, in, uh, nowhere but in his own house. Farewell. Oh, help him, you sweet, oh, sweet heavens! If thou dost marry, I'll give thee the plague for thy dowry. Be thou as chaste as eyes, as pure as snow, thou shalt not escape calumny. Get thee to a nunnery, go, farewell, for if thou wilt needs marry, marry a fool, for wise men know well enough what monsters you make of them. To a nunnery go, and quickly too, farewell, farewell. O oh, heavenly powers, restore him. I have heard of your paintings too well, and of God has given you one face, and you make yourselves another, you jig, you amble, and you lisp and nickname God's creatures, and make your wantonness your ignorance. Go, go, I'll no more of it. It had made me mad. I say we will have no more marriages. Those that are married already, all but one, shall live. The rest shall keep as they are. To a nunnery go. This is a reading in continuity from the first century B.C. poem on the nature of things by the Roman poet and philosopher Titus Lucretius Carus. It matters nothing where thou post thyself, in whatsoever regions of the same. Even any place a man has set him down, 
still leaves about him the unbounded all, outward in all directions. Or supposing, a moment the all of space finite to be. If some one farthest traveller runs forth onto the extreme coast and throws ahead a flying spear, isn't it then thy wish to think? It goes hurled off amain to where it was sent and shoots afar, or that some object there can thwart and stop it. For the one or other thou must admit and take, either of which shuts off escape for thee, and does compel that thou can see the all spreads everywhere, owning no confines. Since whether there be aught that may block and check it so, it comes not where twas sent, nor lodges in its goal, or whether borne along in either view, twas started not from any end. And so I'll follow on, and wheresoever thou set the extreme course, I'll query. What becomes thereafter of thy spear? Twill come to pass that nowhere can a world's end be, and that the chance for further flight prolongs forever the flight itself. Besides, were all the space of the totality and sum shut in, with fixed coasts and bounded together everywhere, then would the abundance of world's matter flow, together by solid weight from everywhere, still downward to the bottom of the world. Nor aught could happen under cope of sky, nor could there be a sky at all or sun. Indeed, where matter all one heap would lie, by having settled during infinite time, but in reality repose is given unto no bodies amongst the elements, because there is no bottom whereunto they might, as twere, together flow, and where they might take up their undisturbed abodes. This will conclude my reading from On the Nature of Things by Titus Lucretius Cass. This is an interpretation, after my own fashioning, of some lines from the true classic of Southern Taoist fragrance. No three-star visitor spoke to me, saying, Humaculate what stories, what anecdotes, what insights do you bring to this new dawn? Long ago there lived a much-beloved sage in the Kilkenny Landry, who of a summer's day, and surrounded by his closest admirers, peacefully passed away. There was a great outpouring of grief at his loss, and over the next few days hundreds upon hundreds to thousands upon thousands of people, from not alone throughout the Kilkenny Landry, came to pay their final respects to him, but from all parts of the island, and even from beyond its shores. The lines of mourners coming to see his face for one last time, stretched all through the fields and along by mountain slopes, rivers, lakes, and streams. Now on the final day, late in the evening, with night already well on its way, and at that last hour, before they would forever veil his countenance, there arrived an elderly mourner, dressed respectfully in summer colours and her hair blowing in the breeze, and who, with entering, went and gracefully stood by the body, and with gently kissing the brow, and with tears streaming, as she beheld the serene countenance of her long-time friend and confidant, 
She looked ceilingward and softly said aloud, "You were, you are, you will be again." And when she had come out, those standing around asked her, saying, "Seeing that you were his closest friend and confidant, was it proper then?" That you should offer your condolences by wearing summer colours and letting your hair free to be blowing away in the breeze, and was it proper too to be saying those things? And she replied, "Of course it was proper. Why wouldn't it have been? When I entered a little while ago, I found there to be old men and women, old women like yourselves, covered in black from head to toe, and wailing and all agoning away." As if they had lost half the population of the island, and there were young men and women there, like yourselves, hysterical, as if the end of seasons had come. None to any one of them or you understand anything at all about coming, being, and going. If you did, you would have been well pleased with my colours and those words of mine. When a great sage like him appeared among us, it was at the proper time for him to come. When he went away from us, it was at the proper time, and it was owing to the natural sequence of his coming and having lived among us. And it will be at the proper time when he will again come among us, though it be in ten thousand years, or tomorrow. In a dawn reverie of this new day, meditated I on what an immortal self of mine did say, did lovingly relay, way back in days of long, long, long gone by. O mortal self of mine, when with living in your own realm and time, you will set yourself continually before you and behind you. Because you are yourself beside, you shall not be moved. All right, I will leave it at that for today. Enjoy taking very good care of yourself and those around you. Be ever so grateful for your many blessings. And spare a thought too for peoples living in faraway places. In all different kinds of situations, often very difficult, and not at all of their own making. You have been listening to an Irish philosopher of the natural kind, bringing radio to the internet via Radio Richard Ireland, on the air globally for about fifteen minutes Monday to Friday, and occasionally on the weekends. The script format of today's broadcast will be available at a future date on AuthenticClosetDramaScripts.com. It is truly an honor to have your listening. May you be a blessing unto yourself, by way of your past, by way of your present, and by way of your future. Slán, Agus Banach Tlát.